welcome to Up To It, Down To It, Episode 7. I'm your host, Cameron Shustar, and with me is Ty Robertson. Hey, what's up? I'm Gregory, the magical intern. I'm here for all your magical, fantastical needs at the low price of zero gold. <laughs> we also have with us Roman Frulon. Oi, my name's Grognak the Barbarian, and I've put more people in the ground with my shovel than an undertaker. And we have with us two special guests and close friends of ours. First off, Katie Friedman. Uh, hello, my name's uh, Rockley Valbia, and uh, I'm your local wood goblin. Uh, if you need moss or rocks, I'm I'm your goblin. Of course, you're a wood goblin. <laughs> and Zach Tursich. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kiln, the baker. Oh, no. I like baking. Excellent. You guys, it's <laughs> so, it's so, that. it's so perfect. We have the baker, and we have the person who plays with rocks all day. <laughs> and do you know who I am? I am Leonardo Ferrari the third, <laughs> with a tentacle coming out of his chest. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was fun. Bring that memory back. You got a perfect tentacle that does a D4 damage, no matter if you miss or it, not. That's not bad. It's just there, yeah. And of course, this is up to it, down to it. We usually talk about a random topic and go in on it off the rails. Uh, we don't have Miles with us this week because we are talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, some of us have been in the same parties before for D&D. Actually, a couple people here have uh, DM'd for us. And we've done various different ones. I think Katie, you and I have done a Star Wars one at one point. We did uh, Zach's uh, one for like it was. I think it was called L D and D, right? It was like oh yeah, that was our our L D D and D, which was long distance D and D. We uh, we were doing it all online before it was cool. Um, it's true, and uh, or a necessity, more like and. We were we, uh, doing it internationally. Yes, we were. It's true. Because uh, Dima was there. He, he and Katie wasn't in the country. Snuck his way in. And, yeah. Katie where was, was Katie? In. Yeah, where were you? Uruguay. Argentina and Uruguay. I was in both, I think, during that campaign. Yeah. It was yeah. A, a lot of nightmare uh, to coordinate. Zones. Yep. that's why i refused to do online i did it at the beginning of the quarantine and i said fuck this i'm out we were four or five time zones i want to say and never again and i never again (laughs) and then of course uh roman ty we've done multiple different runs uh first off i think with uh my old roommate Andrew Breckstrom, which I believe they go, you said they go by, they go by Marissa, Marissa right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. But uh, Marissa hosted the very first one, and mm. that was a, that was an experience, mm. I think, very much so. But uh, I, I had actually, I, for the first time, I had questions for us. Before, we've always gone just like, eh, let's go and see what happens. But this time, I actually got a little questionnaire going, and the first one was, what got you into D&D? And I want to see who volunteers to go first on this. <sighs> Katie. Yeah. Um, I got into D&D because of podcasts. Um, 
and not the podcast you would think that got me into D&D. It was not Critical Role, although I do really love Critical Role. There was a lovely podcast called One Shot and a lovely group of people who run that podcast who did a Star Wars campaign that I fell in love with. Um, and then from that point on, I was like, I got to do this. I got to roll dice. I got to be someone I'm not. I got to go fight bad guys or be the bad guy. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and that was like listening to people play and having fun. I was like, man, I want to do that with my friends. I want to have fun and pretend to be people I'm not. Um, and then I was talking to people about it. A friend of mine, Matt, who worked in the printmaking studio with me, had a few friends who was going to do a 3.5 campaign, I think. Hmm. Uh, and I played one session with them, and I didn't get to make a character, and I didn't have fun. Uh, sorry, Matt. <laughs> didn't tell you that in the moment. If you're listening, I did not enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> and then I talked to our lovely friends, Carson, Zach, Comrade, Ty, I think we talked to you. I talked to you too. I talked to a lot of people being like, man, I want to play a Star Wars campaign. I love Star Wars. We all are big fans let's do it and then eventually it just happened magically and that's truly what kicked off my love for Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing in general awesome so was it then Nick Castillo's D&D campaign that was your first one I would that say that first? was my first like true campaign yeah oh wow okay because I remind me who your character was in that one again when we oh, did the gosh. Star Wars one was what was I don't know if I remember their name um, but I do remember they were a Nedalorian who was a re not a rebel. They were a like smuggler who was trying to find out if their cousin was killed in Order 66. 66. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I was thinking 69. I was like, that's not, that's not what it is. <laughs> Execute <laughs> Order 69. <laughs> you got it, bud. That was the <laughs> only number that popped into my head, though. And I was like, that's wrong. But I can't think of anything else. Uh, um, that's such a perfect nice. like D and D like. <laughs> this is my head cannon. Like. Yeah. <laughs> order sixty nine hits. You have said <laughs> the sacred number. Nice. I can, I can imagine in this Star Wars universe, uh, Emperor Palpatine has a ghost face mask on from Scream, and he's like, execute order sixty nine. <laughs> like, did okay. was I? Did I play that? Star Wars campaign? I feel like I was in for... I have a Star Wars D&D &D thing. Do you? And there I, were a couple you were in that you were like there for like a week yeah. and then you never showed back up and we were like, where's I Roman? think I, I went with Chris one night. Yeah, because I have, I have my... That wasn't us. That, that was, was a different one. So Oh, that, that was, was Jan. That was Chris, yeah, that was Jan's with Chris and Miles. Yeah. I yeah. didn't. I'm sorry, Jan. I forgot you existed, but I I love you to death. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had I had um, I had Sook me dick, the the scoundrel. <laughs> what a scoundrel indeed! <laughs> yeah, that's a scoundrel. Fucking Sook. His name's oh fucking Sook. I was what? I how old it. was I? Ten. <laughs> That's okay. My Star Wars no, you campaign were a full grown adult. Was, uh, was a real edge lord because he was a <laughs> he was a bounty hunter robot, and I remember oh, yeah. in particular that oh, like my God, that's right. I bought I spent all my points on buying like body upgrades. To, that I remember we needed to interrogate a guy on the ship that we had, 
And so I went into the airlock and had magnetized feet. So I magnetized my feet and let the air out of the airlock and like held the guy in there to That's like I, torture a man. <laughs> and That's I'm like, this, d- this dude is way too. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, cool badass character, but like, boy, was I like, I don't know, listening to Skillet or whatever. Like... You were a wild <laughs> robot. Yeah. If I were correctly, sorry, kitty, yeah, go. No, you can go, Conrad. I was just, I feel like you're, if I remember correctly, you based your character off of uh, HK from Old Republic yeah. and IG-88, right? That's yeah, what it, it was. Yeah, because the... you were snarky. You were snarky and just homicidal. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was the, uh, one, one of the murder robots that it's in Clone Wars when they, uh, the group of mercenaries gets. Oh, with Dirge? Hi- I, no, uh, 3D Clone Wars gets hired to, um, oh. their transporting the like princess or someone underground and one of the mercenaries Mm. that's on the mercenary team uh was this robot who my to me still the coolest thing ever was the dude just had two pistols and then would just rotate like his body chassis around to like shoot a bunch of people around him um was such a fun a fun idea so totally totally ripped off that character idea and then made him have more of a personality <laughs> rather than like a guest appearance. Awesome. I think mine was I, I had an arc trooper. That's yeah, why I, I convinced yeah, Nick to get me an arc trooper. <laughs> you Captain Hawk. You did a whole accent and everything. <laughs> I did. I went full character the entire time. Oh yeah. It was uh yeah, I tried to do the it was like the Cockney accent that they like, you know, that uh Tamara Morrison did in the Clone Wars and stuff. It was like yeah, I'm I'm the clone commander. Yeah, we here follow orders. Order sixty six. Supposed to be an Australian accent. Yeah, I thought he was Australian. He was. Oh, it was Australian, huh? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, it was. Australian. <laughs> I can't remember. We're all really showing our Star Wars knowledge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, I don't want to talk about Star Wars, guys. Everyone now knows that we are both uh, fans of D and D and role playing games, and yeah. unbearably American. So exactly, we exactly. We got the base. But who covered. wants to? Who else? Uh, we have Katie. Who else wants to talk about their what got them into D and D and their first experience? Oh well, I'll go. Um, my first experience. Uh, we were on a uh, choir trip. I was in choir in high school, and um, we were on a choir trip to Branson, Missouri. That was quite the that was quite the bus ride from Dallas, Texas. So there was really nothing to do on the bus, and um, I I was friends with these guys um, who were kind of the popular guys, which was strange. But they were like, "We're gonna play Dungeons and Dragons on the bus." And we'd sat in the back, and they sat up like on the floor and shit. And I was like, "I'm not gonna play your fucking nerd game." And then they eventually convinced me and I was like, fine, make me the character sheet. And so they were like, you make your character. And so I made Grognak the giver of fucks. I still don't know what that means. Um, They were a paladin half elf, which they eventually turned into a barbarian because I played them as a barbarian. I didn't know what a paladin was, but um, we... (laughs) We started off, we were captured by all of these drow and we were slaves. 
and my character was using a shovel because that was his work thing and so we decided to plan an escape and I ended up using the shovel I tried to knock a guy out with it and um, I rolled a nat 20 and apparently I hit him so hard in the head that his skull flew out of his mouth and flew across (laughs) the entire map Um, and so I just kept the shovel as my main weapon Um, and after that I was absolutely hooked I even have little notes that I would write on my sheet like I just shoveled a guy's skull off first blood (laughs) and I even kept track with how many shovel kills I got I tallied 23 shovel kills on my well sheet done. yeah it's it's weird and av- yeah after that i was absolutely hooked on D. I had my i had my grognak the barbarian guy and um yeah that, that was that was really it and i i met with them throughout my entire high school and college career every time i went back to texas and we played for how many, like how 40 many years hours. was that uh, uh maybe like Six to six to eight years, probably. Um, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it was pretty frequent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just so hard to get everyone together later on, but because uh, yeah. we all come from different walks of life, so. But it was yeah, it was great. Awesome. Oh yeah, and Grognak's like a staple. Now. Yeah, yeah. I think like a, yeah. you always either play barbarians or some. It or includes some variation of Grognak, like if you're DMing. Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shove him in there. <laughs> Good trademark. <laughs> but who wants to go next? Dude, I'll go. Um, <clears throat> when I when I first went to SCAD, I think I was like always aware of D and D as like a thing, um, but never got interested in it uh, because I thought it was just like a board game. Like I didn't realize that it was so you know expansive with like how much you can use your imagination and uh when i first went to scad i remember there was this web comic series uh that i was a big fan of by monica ray uh and it was just this comic series called fuzzy comics it was spelled with a ph uh p-h-u-z-z-y which is now like gone like i think you can find it on the Wayback machine but otherwise it, it just doesn't exist anymore um and it was one of those like little slice of life weekly uh, comics that's just like uh, like funny stuff about being an artist and you know personal stories from the author and there was one about D where it's like her and her friends uh playing like a in, in a big boss fight <clears throat> against a like a giant scorpion and uh, the whole gag is that like her character is like completely determined not to like physically harm the scorpion in any way like she's like using like wild empathy to read its thoughts and like showing it items from her inventory to see if it triggers like a story thing and like lassoing it to like ride on its back and oh steer God. it away. And meanwhile, like all of her companions are just dying. <laughs> and the, the strip ends with one of her friends standing up and screaming at her to just kill it. And um, I remember thinking like, wait a minute, you can like do this kind of stuff in D&D. And um, I went upstairs to Roman's uh, dorm, which was right above mine freshman year and was like, hey, heard you're doing a D&D thing soon. What's how do you play D and Roman kind of explained it. I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds wicked. So I, I just, uh, pirated a <laughs> PDF of the, the fourth edition <laughs> player's guide. And, uh, I, I didn't know that like 
it's not necessary to read the whole guide. <laughs> so I just like you did not some, some light reading. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> My God, I, I sat there like that weekend and just like plowed through like half of that, and then finally, I think you told me like, wait, you, you don't have to. Like somebody will explain. Yeah, this. there are like, you still can pages of the player's handbook that I've not seen. Oh yeah, like everybody. Yeah. Ty read it like an actual novel, and yeah, it's like my, this is my favorite part. Man, this is the uh, explanation of class. I feel like there could be worse reading out there. So, oh no, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah. It was interesting, honestly, and and um, it was funny that for all my excitement, um, I, I honestly ended up coming up with like an incredibly uninteresting character. It's like the fact that you you your whole imagination you know, is, is, is right there at your fingertips. You can kind of make whatever. And as long as it fits within the sort of scope of the game, it, it'll be Dude, fine. My, and yet I my, still... Yeah, my, my <laughs> first character is named Grognak. I was playing a ton of Fallout at the time. Like, it's fine. <laughs> oh, Although yeah. the shovel no, and that's, was way before that's Shovel good. Knight. So fuck whoever's listening <laughs> who thought of that. <laughs> yeah. no like for real that, that's like a theme i feel like i, I it, like the weird sort of early years of D where i was like only picking from stuff that i had seen before um and like i still freaking do that and it's just funny that i'm like you know i can be more creative than this but i'm choosing not to i'm <laughs> just making a character <laughs> from a movie again yeah. but uh yeah no that was the first time and a uh, crazy coincidence no joke monica ray later went on to work at uh, Disney and Nickelodeon, is now a, a co-worker and good friend of Phil Jacobson, who we went to school with. Oh, interesting. Um, and <laughs> I, I follow her on Twitter, and uh, I saw them, like, chatting it up, and I was like, holy crap, small world. That's crazy. The person who made the webcomic that got me into D&D now is a big-time, not, not only animator, but voice actor, and is also friends with one of my friends who I went to school with. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's Very super, nice. super small worldy. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, me. Tell us about your life. How? In D and D. Where, where to begin? Well, it was a dark and stormy night. Um, it wasn't. It was a sunny afternoon in fifth grade at recess. Um, oh yes. <laughs> uh, me and me and the nerds, uh, my friends, we would go. When we went out for recess. There was a like a courtyard area, and um, one of us—it was not me—but one of them purchased and had, I believe, the th- the third edition or three point five monster manual. And so we would go out to the courtyard area um, that had some grass and like a table, and open up the the monster manual, and basically just play pretend like fight the thing right whatever the thing was um and that was my introduction to D was uh like in fifth grade we would essentially come up with scenarios based on the art in the thing you know no rules no whatever and then just would kind of act out pretending to be heroes or pretending to be monsters um and it would happen at recess or after school We'd go to somebody's house, um, and that caused us to, like, acquire more books, right? And as we got more books and realized, like, oh, it's a game in and of itself. And so then as we got older, we actually, you know, we're learning the game beyond just, like, pretend fighting um, in in our backyard. Uh, and that 
is what got me more into D and D because the more and more I got to actually understand like how the the rules and mechanics worked, the more it became about the actually playing D and D and less about the like acting it out with sticks, you know. Awesome. So, yeah, that was how how I got got into it. That's so that's so pure though, because yeah. like. That's that's so much closer to what like original D and D was anyway, <laughs> like less rules, more role play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did all sorts of stuff. I know for sure at some point, because it must have been, it had to be somewhere in fifth or sixth grade, because I, or maybe even early middle school, because I feel like I I have a distinct memory of a character that I had was essentially, um, I think Alphonse Elric, because he was a suit, oh. he was a person at one point. And then at some point in the campaign, he got like a suit of armor or something, but it was cursed, so it killed him. Um, but his ghost was it was the armor, right? And I just remember that mm. being like a whole a whole thing. And I was like, I was totally watching Full Metal Alchemist as, as a kid, <laughs> and like <laughs> just just completely stole it <laughs> and was like, this is cool. He's big and he can't die. I I figured it out. Um, yeah. Uh, i'm glad to know that everybody did this because i i wrote like i'm I'm like embarrassed of how many times i've just made tv show characters mm-hmm. oh, I, dude, everyone, I haven't even I, gotten to mine yet well, i have bad news ty i have never done that no <laughs> my goal ty. in D is to make a character make characters so absurd or like that they don't make sense because that's really funny to me mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly maybe a better way to play it <laughs> I, that's all right awesome. come yeah, on come on hit us so, with your what what was it what got you into dungeons and dragons come on yeah i you know a lot of things actually came through uh, marissa they introduced me by taking me to uh, one of our friends places uh, i think it was christy hoy oh my and gosh. you were playing D with we, christy hoy yeah, we nice. were. It was a bunch of us, so it was like that whole group of people. It was like Zach Boguski, Kelsey, Jean Ann, uh, Certain Gray, Tor, Tor, Tor. Uh, Carlos, uh, everyone. Oh, it was yeah. uh, Carlos was tight. So we were all there, and they're like, "Hey, let's do Pathfinder," and I'm like, "What's Pathfinder?" And they're like, "Oh, it's like D and D," and I'm like, "Oh, I've heard of that." That and they're like, "You never played it?" And I'm like, "No, never, never touched it. Always been interested, but never have gotten into it or had people to play with. It's not something I did in California." So they're like, "Oh, we're well, we got to make you a character and stuff." And they're like, "Who do you like? What's your character's name gonna be?" And I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like, "Something original. I know. I'll be Ezio." <laughs> yes, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going straight out of Assassin's Creed 2 and I'm like, yeah, Ezio seems like a good one. And uh, I realized looking at my track record, I do a lot of Italians and elves or Italian elves. It's actually <laughs> kind of just like a recurring thing. <laughs> and I don't Cam- really know why. Dude, dude Cameron's but... perfect headcanon of D&D is that like all the elves are just from Italy. <laughs> they just came at it. It's funny. We... Italy and like the deep magic was just like pizza. <laughs> like... Those are the dark elves. We... They hail from the land we call Sicily. Roman and I were literally saying earlier on the phone, we were talking about D&D stories and we we're like, Cameron always does play an elf, doesn't yeah. he? Every time we've ever played with you. <laughs> yeah. I, it, I didn't get out of that until like star wars and then also uh i was gonna do another because it wasn't an option <laughs> yeah it wasn't an option no italian elves elves and Italians. yeah 
but uh we play and i remember it very distinctly because it was the most um unprogressive campaign i had ever played because everyone had already been drinking and they said let's play pathfinder so immediately we all start off in the bar one character goes and starts stabbing people and uh it already just kind of drops from there i think we make it outside and into a sewer only because a certain person was with us and he gets like pickpocketed by these orphans and he goes i shall become the pickpocketing king of or or no it was the king of the pickpocket orphans and that man's name was dylan gray <laughs> the, the rat <laughs> king I'm himself like, oh i'm playing gosh. and i'm like i don't know what the hell's happening i'm over here being like a fucking uh italian and like uh, marissa's like i'm a bird person <laughs> i'm like oh, okay An- another running theme Marissa yeah. being a bird person for Pretty some reason or, or a person dressed as a bird yeah so we got out of the bar barely and then made it to the sewers and then ended there because everyone was too drunk to play and that was my first experience but it was magical it was very magical you know i'm like you know what I'm never, that was a fun little start off with Etsy. I'm sure I'm never going to do an elf or an Italian ever again. (laughs) Obviously, I was very wrong. (laughs) You just want to see one of those Italians make it to the end. Yeah, I I really do. Strong starters, but poor finishers, those Italians. Sorry. We like to to start out at the gate just running. (laughs) Then we just kind of fizzle out. The longer the Comron goes on, the more the DM bullies him. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's actually very true. Yeah, there's yeah. been two. No. Both DMs have done things to me, <laughs> which both have been my longest campaigns. Was first with Romans, where I got the tentacle coming out of my chest that I had no choice but to get, uh, and also Miles being saved by Miles' own xenophobia actually helped us out against elves you got, you got a, ten- a tentacle elves. busted out of your chest and ruined your armor you got your hand ripped off by a fucking dog and then miles oh, crushed your balls like you're i don't even know if you know about this one but uh during my campaign zach secretly gave uh he used his evil powers to give Dima a nightmare where he dreamed that you would betray him <laughs> in order to throw him off the scent that Zack was evil. Because yeah. Dima was blissfully unaware the entire time. I remember time. he and started so, accusing me of shit and then yeah, yeah. he was, he was yeah, like, I wrote it in my notes Zach, he was Zach like, told me over text during, while I was DMing he's like, I give Dima, he's like I got a new power, I give Dima a bad dream where Cameron stabs him in the back <laughs> and then I text that back to Dima and then he didn't say anything and he just continued to believe that he had had a real premonition that Cameron was gonna kill him yeah because it was in game we were taking a long rest and i was like well dima's like i i as best i can remember it was like dima's kind of kind of on the scent that i have ulterior motives and i do have this spell that was uh it lets you like you could like incept ideas it, like into yeah it, well, it was just like you could you could do you could give a sleeping creature um a like a good or bad dream something like that and you can specify the details of the dream um and so that was i was like i'll wait till everyone goes to bed and then when it's my turn to be on watch i give dima this dream (laughs) dima's a sleeping creature i know what to do that was so good that was that was fun i would love to do a 
an evil campaign or a you know hidden hidden uh evil character in the future because like i was saying before we started recording was that your was was that your favorite character that you ever did no um i think that the premise is really fun and i've watched like other and listened to like other dm advice about ways that you could implement that um in a campaign and you know i essentially i'm like oh i have a way better way of doing it where it would be i feel like more satisfying for everyone involved rather than satisfying like self-satisfying right for just like whoever is the evil character Mm -hmm. um but uh one of my favorites that i did i only got to do for i think a one shot um and so i have his sheet sitting around but he's killed killing the baker yeah he's a he's a warforged so he's a robot a warforged uh like redemption paladin so he's a pacifist so he doesn't fight anybody um and his thing is that he used to be like a war robot and then he retrofitted his body to be a a kiln so that he's a baker now that's so he that's incredible he tries to make friends with everyone um and he just has a shield that is like a serving tray uh he doesn't have like any other weapons and my favorite resolution to a conflict was like i think there were some goblins uh holding somebody hostage in like the town in this one shot and um my character was in there with the with the party and we came across some of the goblins and i uh succeeded on a check whatever spell i think calm emotions so that they weren't like aggressive yeah. toward us um and then i like gently explained to them while like tying them up um gently explained to them that you know if you guys all like work together you should stop by the local bakers guild and you could all get like apprenticeships and then work together to start your own bakery and have a steady source of income <laughs> you opened up a of, school oh of bakers instead of um Sign me up. working for the the goblin boss that like employed them i was like you know, think about it, guys. How much of your wages do you have to give to him, right? Like, whenever you, like, ransom or loot somebody, you guys should just be a co-op. Like, form a union, be a co-op. Oh, my and... God. You're such a <laughs> hippie, dude. Exact thing. That's, That's yeah. So... yeah, that character was very self-indulgent. Did um, did the <laughs> did the Nilbogs open up a famous oh, bakery th- called You Can't Piss on Hospitality? <laughs> they should have. All, all, I, all that I left them with was I tied them up, and then to gag them, I like went and like got cupcakes and like gave them all cupcakes, and was like, just stay here. I'm not gonna kill you, but just really think about what I told you. I'm gonna go upstairs and fight your boss. <laughs> you know, oh my god. See if we can figure this oh, out. Man. And that I... was that was very funny. Zach, I like the frequency in which you play robots. Yeah. When I was younger, my most frequent thing was like lizard or dragon people like reptile people i uh, love reptile people probably because i watched whatever reboot of he-man that had the fucking snake people in it no. and i was like i was oh. like that man has snakes for arms and he's got it figured out um and then uh, <laughs> i honestly thought you were gonna say you grew up watching the the dinosaur sitcom dinosaur i no, but i did watch jurassic everything. park at like too young of an age so i feel like that probably like left an impression um uh, you telling but, me uh, a little boy liked dinosaurs loved that's dinosaurs. ridiculous who would have thought and then i as i got older i feel like i went from dinosaurs to robots and then now i'm more open to other other stuff but those are my my soft spots for <laughs> for characters 
Dinosaurs, robots. Just a little That's boy. Just a, just a, like a seven-year-old, you know? So Roman's got barbarians and like minotaurs and stuff. I have Italians yeah. and elves. Zach's got dinosaurs and robots. Mm-hmm. We're all, yeah, Katie, what do you got? Uh, what do you got, Katie? Barbarians and rogues nice. uh, are my sweet spot. Love doing damage. Yeah, well, so so out of all the characters you've ever played, who was your favorite? My favorite is the character Rockley Balbia. She was not a gnome. I just per- or she wasn't. She was a gnome. She was not a goblin. I just personally identify as a goblin. Um, <laughs> That's understandable. She, she was a gnome barbarian because uh, I loved the idea of a gnome raging and like being able to destroy things. Cleave. Uh, she has three dads. I think one was a one was a dwarf or a dwarf. One was a human and one was a dragonborn i think um and they weren't they were just three guys who lived together so it was very much like three this street fighters a and a gnome. yeah, <laughs> yeah. three and a half fighters. men yeah. my three dads <laughs> coming in yeah. it's gonna be on cbs soon don't worry because i really like the idea of just like three guys being roommates racing a gnome and they're all street fighters and so she like what, like one of them was a barbarian, but famous street fighter. A lot of fun playing her, uh, and had a very good DM who indulged me a lot um, in my wacky. And also, I don't write notes in Dungeons and Dragons because uh, I personally am just bad at it. So none of my characters have good memory, and I got in a lot of trouble with this character because she also had no no recollection of anything that was happening but i always was put in spots where i had to have actually remembered information so i got gotten a lot of trouble with the actual players they're like kitty what's this information and i was like i don't actually remember anything the dm just told me and they're like oh no i just imagine each session is different where it's like my three dads and then the next session my eight dads and you're like wait how many dads did she have slowly collecting father figures i i i had a character with a with a bunch of dads I I I remember that I I that 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 triggered a memory, and I can't believe it. Anyways, no, no tragic backstories here. Everybody had all high, their parents. I, everybody, everybody, <laughs> no, yeah. got all their parents. They're just adventuring for fun. No, I think one of my characters lost their entire civilization. I think that was the one in ties. Oh, it must uh, have been the Italian. Just lost their entire. <laughs> it was uh, what was his name? It was. Oh, um, <laughs> It was Rufio Matthias. That's Rufio right. Matthias. I oh my god, it no, was an Italian. <laughs> it was Rufio was I, I based it off of Hook. Rufio. Oh, yeah. Rufio. <laughs> and then Matthias was the main character's name from the Scorpion King. So that's how I combined. That's like them the most Comron character you've ever made. <laughs> when just, who was the who was like the keeper of the Desert Order or whatever the fuck that dude's name was from the Mummy and the Mummy Returns? Who was that guy? Oh, Artith? Yeah, why didn't you just Ardith. make a friggin' Artith guy at that point? <laughs> I should have. Yeah. I, I should have. But, uh, you know, I thought that was more fun because no one understood the, the perfection that was the Scorpion King. Yeah, at that <laughs> point, I'll do it again, given the opportunity. You're basically the rock in, a, in like, a wig. Actually, thinking about it now, I'll probably, next campaign, I'm going to play as a guy who is striving to become a giant scorpion man. That, that's just what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's not practical, but he's gonna make it happen. He's got simple yeah, it'll, goals. It'll happen. 
but I did want to ask because you know my longest campaigns were with both you, Roman and Ty. Really? Uh, and also Zach, because the three of you are not only you know you not haven't only played, but you've DM'd as well. Mm-hmm. So how is how is your first set like the first campaign you ever created? Like how did you feel going from just a player to being like, oh, I'm gonna be the one calling the shots and making this world come to life? Uh, I feel like. Uh... Oh, sorry. I don't mean to just be like, I'm going first. You can go ahead. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, one of the biggest ones being that uh, our, our friend Dima did what I did and read the whole player's handbook <laughs> and knew the rules better than I did. Um, and so <laughs> it was constantly like a... <laughs> like a shut up Wesley thing mm. where you would, you would correct me. Shut up, Wesley. And I'd be like, ah, shut, shut up, Dima. Like, well, in the, yeah, cause you, in the end, you are God. It's about how you're, you're yeah, God. The, but Ty, but he, did you know? <laughs> but, he, but he was right because I, there was a lot of things that I just didn't really grasp about like the rules that I kind of left out just because I didn't like thinking about him. Like a, a big one that I constantly circumnavigated was, um, uh, opportunity attacks. That's a big one. Engaging and disengaging. Um, that kind of just didn't exist. It was very much more like turn-based RPG Final Fantasy style where you hit them, they hit you, you can move away, nice. do whatever, but there was no engage or disengage or opportunity attacks or anything. Unless it like explicitly set it for like an attack on paper. Um, but like, I think the other thing was just like, for one, it was really freaking long. Um it ended up extending from the time that we were in our last year of school all the way until we graduated and we did it online. And um, just like Zach was saying, that was the one where he created an evil character that was slowly set up to be the villain. Um, it also had a very, very unfortunate ending, and I learned the hard way about. Oh, I was still salt. I'm still probably salty about that. No, actually. I am. I'm salty about it too. too. Long story short, for listeners, I was about to kill Roman. Was well, I, I was almost done camping? killing him? Yeah, you were, you were almost this, dead. I was killing your ass. This is Who, what happened. Long was story Osiris. short, you were. Yes. Yeah, he was yeah. bad from the get go. From the naming, <laughs> he was just a yeah. bad man. Basically, we set up the whole campaign from the get go that Zach was going to be a warlock who was evil. Uh, the whole campaign story was centered around the idea that you're going from a town where you get hired as like adventurers, you gain the trust of the king. He sends you to a much bigger kingdom where you're intended to retrieve this sort of uh, superpowered magical orb that like powers this huge like mecha city, um, like up in this mountain that's all advanced and has like super advanced magic that nobody understands because he, he claims they've become corrupt and you need to shut the city down and bring this this thing back to him. Uh, Zach from the very first session uses his warlock magic to to incept an idea in the king's mind that he has to obey him which slowly grows over the course of Poor Graham. months yeah eventually the king shows up at the end as a villain which zach is mind controlled and zach takes the orb for himself and becomes the final boss which i thought i think we all thought was a really cool idea and he's joined by roman and uh harley who who uh reprised their role as uh, in the form of like a like a specter. maleficent dragon right or it was like yeah a... yeah zach like summoned harley yeah. back to life in the remember. form of like a like a lich type villain that transformed into a dragon and it became like one half of the party versus the other half of the party that night i got incredibly sick um i i was i got like a cold or something and it was slowly like taking my voice away mm-hmm. and so we were going through the final fight and i was like whispering into the mic <laughs> like i could not 
speak for the life of me and that kind of spell on you as well yeah i felt so so terrible and i was like oh my gosh it has taken so much scheduling and coordination to even get this many people here online in a in a way that was like doable and we we even planned a big surprise where like harley jumped on voice chat like at the exact moment that like zach summoned their character back and um it was like huge and i was like i have to like end this like i don't want to be one of those campaigns where like it just sort of ends on a cliffhanger and so i just decided okay after a certain number of turns if i like get to the point where i cannot stand it any longer i'm going to end the game and declare zach the winner having you know summoned whatever horrible deity you know that you worshipped using oh, the, right. the magic yeah yeah it and was, so it, was, it eventually uh, got to the it was tharzadun the, the yes. like world devourer or whatever i i went very eldritch horror with my warlock build so i was yeah, just a big dumb so... minotaur so i think i was just happy yeah, you were loving <laughs> just chopping up people yeah, yeah Ro- roman was the only character who didn't need brainwashing roman was like i'm into it Let's fight <laughs> yeah, zach was like <laughs> i think i remember you taking me like into the hallway of my dorm room and just being like hey roman i'm evil <laughs> and i was just like cool this sweet yeah Yeah, you're let's do it yeah so like basically long story short the the finale ended up not being one of those ones where everybody got to like fight to the end nobody really got to see their character go out in a blaze of glory because i just was so sick and i thought i need to like just finish it because i don't think we're gonna get back together again to do a part two Mm -hmm. to this finale so i just declared it over and I thought that would be fine, but everybody was very upset because, of course, you want to see your character, even if they're going to die, because the odds were, like, incredibly stacked in, in Zach's favor and, like, the opposing team's favor. Um, but it, it, it wanted everybody wanted it to be drawn out, and um, I kind of screwed it up by just calling it right there. But uh, it, it just, like, never came back to, like, a true finish. And that's like one of the biggest like D and D regrets I've ever Big old had. Like that made well, me... I mean, we're still in I contact mean, it... with everybody. Yeah, technically, it like wasn't really a cliffhanger if we go with the ending where Zach just wins. But then it, that's not. Yeah. Well, that's not no, no, yeah. that is the not cliffhanger. Even for me. <laughs> that that is the cliffhanger. Evil wins. What will our so, heroes do? So no kidding, I actually wrote up after that, like after I got over that sickness, which took like two days. I, I literally was like, okay. I need to rectify this. I have a write-up ready for a sequel that would be potentially having some of the same players that if we could hypothetically someday by some miracle do it, set in the universe where Zack wins. And I was like, that would be cool. And it would give people a chance to come back. You could play your character again having survived the Cataclysm. Or you could make a new character and we could make your character in reference like some sort of you know lost hero in the world or maybe they come back as an NPC. Yeah. So like I had this whole write up and I was like I would love to do that someday, but it's kind of one of those like you know, it's just a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's it. like yeah, but it is definitely like I think I've never like truly apologized for how big of a bummer mm-hmm. it was to just cut yeah. it off like that, but I feel like that's the fate of so many D&D campaigns oh, to end it, that it way. had more at least more closure than others for sure because there were some where nope. it was like it would just start like honestly yeah the Star Wars one never we never got to do anything with the Star Wars one I was actually really sad about that yeah. um, I will say Ty the way you were describing that before you said like oh I was writing up I'm like dude are you writing up a Mass Effect 3 <laughs> DLC ending dude well, <laughs> like yeah. after just going do you pick the, red blue or green I think when it comes to the Star Wars stuff I mean I wasn't in your campaign but the the Jan's campaign 
I think he was the DM. Everyone, was. <clears throat> everyone was like, the, everyone was a really OP like Sonic original character. Like that was everyone. Everyone was like a Jedi who's mastered the dark side, but they're also on the good side mm-hmm. and they are stronger than Luke Skywalker <laughs> and they Same. know yeah. Darth Vader by first name and <laughs> and they're also faster than Sonic. Meanwhile, my character was just some like <laughs> random fedora wearing Italian running around with a switchblade like <laughs> like they were like, like don't you want this lightsaber? Is that you like <laughs> It just like God, so, it's been so long. So I was just like I was I was just I don't know. I was I I dipped real hard. It's, like I was just out. I, I I think a common thing is like there's an interesting balance of uh when you're when you're playing a character and when you're running that at least in the context of D and D and D and D like as a system, um it is built to, yeah. in a way to be a heroic adventurers right like um and, yeah. and everything that comes with being a hero um you know conquering the bad guy like saving the day but i think that um what you what you don't realize i guess or i guess like the way that you tend to play um when maybe you haven't done it a bunch like multiple times is that um you want to be you're at your ash Ketchum, right you want to be the very best the best there ever was um and so yeah you 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 are an overpowered like super cool mega hero um and then like as you play more i feel like at a certain point that loses interest because you go like mm-hmm. what if i toss some flaws in there because it's, it's fantasy fulfillment right i feel yeah. like especially early yeah. on you're like i my character is me or the idealized form of what I think like a hero is or something. And then the more you do it, the more you're like, at least my personal interest is I'm like, I want to be the most like unoptimized character possible. Like I want to be oh, no, a character that doesn't want to fight totally at all. Right. right? Well, or like wants to, and- I don't know, just, just cook burgers or something. Well, that's, um, that's exactly what happened in my, that's what, that's what happened to Grognak, dude. I, I never wanted to be like the hero whenever it came to our campaigns or anything, but back, back in Texas with my Texas group, we would, um, it, our, our campaign lasted from the beginning of me playing to, to this one big, we we had so many different campaigns. We had campaigns where the world was being taken over by purple worms and people were turning into zombies. We had campaigns where there was like a lich king who was taking over the kingdom. We had campaigns where like the apocalypse was literally about to happen. Mm. And the only way we could stop it was through time travel. And my character, Grognak, ended up just becoming a gardener like we ended up going into the future and finding this like old man and the dm never said it was grognak but it was like a beefy old barbarian with a long ass beard and he was and a shovel and a shovel and he was he was just planting he was planting plants but he used the shovel for everything don't step on my tomatoes. Basically, and 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 um, 
I was like, that that's actually perfect because everyone's future self, everyone was like, oh, I don't want to turn into that. I was like, that's the perfect ending for my character. I'd be down for that. Um, my best friend in the game mm-hmm. ended up uh, rotting in hell forever, which was kind of a bummer for his well, character, but he went evil towards the end. So I, um, I think that's like but, where D and D gets the most ahead, interesting. Katie. I think for oh, yeah, me sorry, is when like everyone at the table or like you personally start to dig deeper into like more complex or intimate characters and like start to play with a lot more emotional or like conceptual complex things um because then it like it goes from like you getting to play your idealized self to like you looking at all these different things that are happening around you or happening inside of you or things that you've just seen and then being like what if this was a reality or like what if i did live some this life like that how would i interpret the world or like how would i handle these situations which is where i'm like that that's what dnd is about is like getting to like be really awesome and really cool but then also getting to like look at yourself or this fantasy world in all these different ways because like definitely playing Dungeons and dragons has made me look at the world differently and also like i have definitely figured out things about myself while playing that i would not have ever figured out if i wasn't like pretending to be something that i completely wasn't was completely outside my comfort zone um which i think is really cool and when like when that happens like when you get to be at a table with people who are like realizing all of these things were like whoa i don't have to be me or like i get to do all of these different things and whatnot like that's when D shines in my book um and what i always look forward to in games when like those moments happen um i always like love to hear it when people are like oh i was doing this and then i just realized i could do something completely different and it would make sense um and i think that's like oh that's what really gets me hyped I mean, like, I was calling Roman earlier talking about, you know, these past stories, and it's funny because <laughs> the first character... I didn't remember jack shit, by the way. My memory is <laughs> is terrible, and it makes me really sad because the stuff that Ty was telling me, I was cracking up. Well, it's funny because literally what we're talking about, like, early characters versus current characters and how you've, like, your view of how to play has changed. Roman was like, what was your, like, first character named? And I, I think the very first one ever was, like, a generic you know uh essentially just placeholder character to do a few sessions and get acclimated but the first like named like story character that i had was absolutely like a heroic self-insert <laughs> he was literally like the local town hero nicknamed thunderfist the reverend like <laughs> nice <laughs> and and ironically in the story uh miles our, our friend miles was um the what, what by the way whenever i say our friend that's just for listeners <laughs> you'll know who miles is you, well, they, they i mean the listeners know who miles is too he's that's, the oh duh, yeah episodes. there you go yeah he's been every other episode. All, right our listener yeah. out there miles yeah you, you know, know him was actually <laughs> miles made a character who was from the same village as like my heroic guy but he was the town drunk and so it was like oh so we're both self-inserts and so we so it, it was a funny dynamic because miles ended up playing the game the right way like he actually had way more kind of you know fun and you know uh sort of it took it in all kinds of wild directions it, really looney tunes kind of character with like super chaotic energy meanwhile um like the thunder fist character was just generic paladin hero and then uh recently 
I started going to these D and D one-off bar nights that are in a, a joystick game bar in Atlanta, and I created the character um, Craigery the Magical Intern, who's the exact opposite, who is <laughs> exclusively there to pair up with the guy doing the self-insert hero character and just praise them endlessly. <laughs> like, Perfect. I literally one time I showed up one night and it was a huge group and we only had one DM and they're like, "All right, we're going on a big group adventure that's gonna last like three or four hours, so y'all buckle up, get some drinks, let's get ready." first thing immediately like one dude has his cool like dragonborn mega hero guy it's like one of his first games and uh i brought with me actual um like printed credentials and was like handing it out like it's like hello um if you'd like me in your adventuring party i can be of assistance i i have magical properties i can do prestidigitation and like it's just like really crappy stuff like what's like cantrips and level one spells um but i had him like bragging about him like it was like a big achievement <laughs> like he's it. like studying yeah he's like studying in you know the the magical uh college like transfiguration major like all this other crap oh and it ended up being so much more fun and funnier and like it, it was such a good uh like satisfying mm. way to play the game and nothing was heroic all the spells were like utility spells like i don't think i ever hit anybody it was always like D- do you need a buff Ty, master am i so I lovely freaking touch you and beef up your muscles like <laughs> That's, like some crap like that yeah yeah and so it's fun um, too it's really yeah it's in a in a good way it's a perfect dynamic for a random party or for just onboarding new players because it's very satisfying to like oh yeah when, and when they get what they want there, yeah you get to yeah. you get to make it to, to just like shift into a support role even if it's funny versus like not fun, like serious or whatever but to be a supporting character is is so satisfying <laughs> it, it's also funny for the dm who's like not ready for it because some of those like buff spells are pretty wild early on if you stack a character with nothing but that and like you just every every single time there's an opportunity to waste every single spell slot in a single fight just you directly next to one guy buffing him repeatedly with like different buffs that's funny (laughs) like uh there's one spell that you get kind of early on um that lets you like double a person in size (laughs) oh my god he can just grow a man twice as big (laughs) like (laughs) yeah you like jolly green giant in one of them yeah transmutation's a great a great school of wizardry (laughs) yeah that's a lot of fun I just love if uh, someone's like, oh, God, they're shooting arrows at us. Quick, use something to shield me. And you're like, I made you grow twice as big, so now he's just an easy-ass target. <laughs> now you shield everybody. The needs of the many. Yeah. <laughs> Away the needs of the few. <laughs> oh, yeah. You literally made him big so you could do that meme with the guy hunched over the little one. The big yeah. Guy. <laughs> oh, just be like, you wanted to be the hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god that's fantastic though i i gotta ask how, do you guys so now that you've dm'd and everything else do you do you like just playing or do you like dming more now what, what do you prefer at this point um i think that <sighs> shit i don't know um because i always want to just play but i feel like I feel like I'm very loyal to certain DMs, like my my dungeon master bishop. Um, he will always be my DM. Um, 
but then I'll, I'll play all these other campaigns um and and I feel like I I I I have a story to tell and I don't know what that is but I feel like I can create this cool world for everyone to play around in so I I really liked DMing um I ended up writing this huge campaign that I could only get a group together for once and that was the last time I DM'd I think that was the last time I like played played um and and actually cared it's been a really long time but um, was that with us or was that no it was else? from back in but after we graduated i went back to oh, in Tejas, Tejas. uh and i wrote out this huge campaign i wrote maps i i i did it all um and i like handed it out to everybody and i got everyone prepared like a month in advance and i was only ever to scrape allowed uh, able to scrape together um a select group of people but nothing, nothing has compared to when I DM'd for y'all in college. That was probably the most fun I had DMing, um, and I had a ton. I, I had I had why. a ton of time, uh, fun times playing after that, and and playing beforehand. Like um, my my very first campaign that took forever. Like I, I texted uh, my friend Drew who uh, we ended up meeting through D&D and becoming like best friends. And um, the the names that all of our characters had. Um, so Bishop Wash was our our dungeon master. And I was I was Grognak, the, the giver of fucks. Or if anyone's <laughs> parents were home, I was the giver of love. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, Grognak's best friend was Longigus McGurthy, uh, who was played, who was, who was Cade Snowden. And now, you know, he, he went off to college, joined a frat and, you know, was doing some wall street shit. So, um, but yeah, Longigus McGurthy and uh, Christian Harper was Froghorn the Mountain Molester, who was a giant. And, (laughs) and, um, Drew, Drew, of course, was, was huge Uh, ass, huge ass. Huge ass. Um, there was Michael Grover, who was Axel Thunderflex, retired porn star, and Grayson <laughs> Davis, who I knew since I was a kid and ended up going to SCAD and uh, knew all of y'all. Um, his oh, character was a child with no name, but we oh my we God. later found out that his name was Kite. Um, I I yes. I didn't I didn't even remember that. I had to text Drew. I was I was waiting for like a punchline. No, it was just like yeah. it was like we had all these names like Huge Ass and Longigus McGurthy the Dick Slayer. And that then is... there was Grayson with fucking Kite. So but so that that was the that was probably one of the most fun times uh playing. I mean that energy, I feel like you you carried through to DM. I did. I brought fucking. Yeah, I brought tiddly. Did. I brought purple O. I brought. All okay, wait. We gotta yeah. explain tiddly because that's tiddly. A, that's has the, been in every single thing, even when I first got to school. Tiddly it, was always there. It's no a special what. little house rule. Well, that well, that was that was. Wasn't uh, it a potion? Yes, Bishop right. Wash. Bishop Wash, who had such an incredible imagination. Um. We would always start in a bar and we would always get shit faced because it was like, what would we do if we were 21? Ooh, we'd be drinking, you know, fun D&D stuff. Well, uh, Bishop 
created a drink called tiddly diddly do and um the effects of drinking it were random um and it's like roll forever yeah it's kind of it's kind of up to the dm it's a total gamble what it's gonna do you could drink it and you could just get drunk you can drink it and turn to stone you can drink it and uh fall all over yourself you can drink it and were literally turn into a reptile and eat someone's head. Like short term. Yeah. As is it's traditional. Just, no, no. Mm-hmm. It just lasted until however long the DM was messing with you. But it was like it was like seven parts LSD, two parts cocaine, one part orange juice or some shit. We we literally would make it in in real life with like orange juice and water and mountain dew and powdered sugar we'd make this disgusting ass drink to drink just um, press all the little uh oh it tastes levers on the soda machine it, at once yeah, and just kind of like bathed in it You're but like, i it? i brought that and um the i brought tiddly diddly do and and everything that ended up being purple like purple tobacco um to the purple wizard the purple wizard was a thing, was a thing and um purple o the purple orgasm uh, we ended up bringing that yeah that was that was like a gas that if you ever came into contact with it, your character would be incapacitated by it shows. <laughs> listen we were fucking boys in high school you like were, arnold at the gym yeah it's just arnold yes, at the gym. it's like I'm, it's like you're coming. coming every day it's like you're coming and when i'm getting a pump on coming when i'm playing D, i'm coming every day but um yeah, so I ended up bringing that to SCAD, and it ended up well, having a lot of really fun consequences. A couple of oh the God. best ones were um, the very first game I ever played, which was um, DM'd by Carlos, I think. Oh, Pathfinder. And you were there. Yes. Yeah, the Pathfinder one. You you told him that, and um, he was like, yeah, okay, I'll add it. And, and uh, <laughs> Leon was there. And Leon wanted to get some, not really realizing what the whole rules were about it. And so he drank it and uh, he was like, all right, I leave the bar. And Carlos was like, okay, roll. And he's like, roll for what? And he's like, roll. What happens? And he's like, okay. So he rolls like a two or something. And he's like, you trip on the way out and smash your face straight into the ground and break your nose. And um, so then like me and Roman are like, all right, let's help him. And I'm like, I'm, I was playing a cleric and uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll set his nose. And then I rolled like a one. Oh and he's God. like, you just like rip his nose off his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I feel like, I feel like when, when other DMs start working with tiddly, they just think that tiddly diddly do makes you fall all over yourself. It can. Meanwhile, it can. when you, when we de- played with you DMing, you should tell what happened to Miles when he drank Well, it. so like, when I first encountered Tiddly Diddly Do, when I was a player, it was just like, all right, I drink Tiddly Diddly Do. And I'm like, what does it do? And it's like, the DM's like, you feel completely fine. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I uh, I want to walk over to uh, the person playing the loot over there, and I want to see if I, there's a quest. It's like, you punch the bartender. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I apologize immediately. It's just like, you whip your dick out. I'm just like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, you start saying, like, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's just stupid juice. Um, Miles, though, was on, was like barely, when I was DMing, Miles had like barely any health. And, and an entire building was like coming down around them. 
and and it was Ty and Comron and Miles and like instead of being like all right I I try to escape he's like I drink all of my tiddly and I'm like okay roll and Miles rolls like a really good roll I don't know if it was a nat 20 but I fucking gave it to him I guess but he literally turned into the Hulk except purple and and grabbed Ty by the head and grabbed Comron by the balls and just jumps out of the top window of this fucking giant burning building and that's that's like big action hero explosion like. but then but then we go back to like the pathfinder campaign that carlos is dming and 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 uh they're all trying to start a fire meanwhile there's an entire lake full of tiddly and they're like is tiddly flammable and so everyone ends up looking at me and i'm like i don't know and so carlos is like yes oh no so they start a fire with tiddly and everyone's gonna rest around it meanwhile ty and whoever else is just like uh, yeah me me and leon whisper to carlos like we're because this is the end of the, the play session yeah. and everybody's leaving and we lean over and we're like we go somewhere else like <laughs> we know this is gonna be bad so we tell him we hike it like a, a ways away and camp out on our own and so Comron is like sleeping right next to this thing and and, and walks and off. marissa and marissa sleeping yes, there too. yes the two of them are both right someone there. else was there too but i can't remember but like the bird person yeah somebody but like they <laughs> all is like i'm a bird they person. all wake up and and they all have different things that happen to them in their sleep they all have mutations from inhaling this tiddly smoke uh, Andrew Beckstrom like rolled and ended up just getting a permanent split tongue and they were like oh I love this perfect Comron who was playing a character that was of course pure and, and like a him. beautiful set of armor and was lawful good I have it right it's uh what was their name uh yeah Leonardo Ferrari the third rogue For level five second. elf male neutral good <laughs> languages common elven Italian neutral <laughs> neutral good For yeah no it was common. lawful good you you've always played such bright shining completely boys. memorized you, uh, all of that on. information yeah. and I realized you're reading off of a sheet but I was about to be so impressed <laughs> with you I was like holy shit how did he remember all of that <laughs> but. I couldn't remember one of my characters' names. That's why I ran down to get the sheets. I'm like, I don't remember any of my a names. A giant <laughs> tentacle then burst out of Comron's chest and straight through the armor. And he just had a tentacle from then, then on. And the tentacle, no matter what Comron would roll, like if he was attacking someone and he rolled a fucking one, you know, the tentacle still gets a move to hit. So he got a permanent D4 tentacle, like if he was in. And Comron hated it. They're like, why would you hate that? You get a perfect hit, but it's because this character was no longer a perfect, bright, and shining boy. Yeah, <laughs> He's man. A horrible mutant. Yeah, what the fuck, Comron? Everyone was He's like, the "That's man. the coolest thing," and I'm like, "I'm so deformed. This goddamn tentacle <laughs> I just out of my chest." Years later, we made a D and D chat for like when I was DMing, and we called it Comron's Tentacle. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like good. one of Roman's henchman characters from his game, from his uh, from his gang, Horsecock, was from <laughs> the fucking game when we were. Pl- I forget what game we were playing, but it, it was, was like, from. You it know was how from, it was on. Uh, um, uh, sh- wasn't that Jocelyn's? Yeah, Jocelyn's house. You know, Tor and Bobby. Bobby created a character in Soul Calibur. 
Soul Calibur four or five. I don't remember. There's a million Soul Calibur games, but he literally just made a disgusting mutant character and made him horse cock. You're gonna have to bleep all this shit. Next thing I know, it's on my forehead because of the yeah, fucking game right. we were playing. It's like, what am I? And on my forehead, it says horse cock. And I'm like, I can't get it, guys. Oh I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm getting another glass of wine. Y'all continue. Oh, my God. Wait, Conrad, I have a question for you. Yeah. From my knowledge, you have not DM'd, right? No, I've not. Oh, Do really? you have interest in DMing as yeah. a solo player? Oh, man. I... Wait, Katie, have you DM'd? I have not either. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure. I was, I was like, wait, because I, I was I wasn't sure if I was not the only one or not. But I think it's because it's like the same thing that it, it was like with H HVZ for me, where mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, I just want to be in it. I I I don't have. I always organize everything, mm -hmm. and I mean like everything. Yeah. I think D and D is that one thing where I'm just like, dude, I just want to jump in. Like this is where I get to play, and I don't have to think about anything except whatever my character is doing. So, maybe one day down the line, depending on who's around, if I, if there, if there's a bunch of people, kind of like I think Zach, this is what you did, right? It was a bunch of people that never really played in Seattle, and you got them together and made a campaign for them, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I can talk about that. I'll. I'll keep it kind of brief because that's what I've done a couple times now um so when I first moved to Seattle um and had made some friends and uh realized that the majority of them hadn't played before um I put together a campaign um it was hard because there was like I think like maybe set like there's a lot of people right like a like a, a seven or so you know, a, a critical roles worth of players, which is a lot. And it's, and that's hard when you have new players because they're learning simultaneously, like all the rules. And you also need them because there's so many people to like manage their um, like stats and class information and stuff so that you don't have to remember all of it constantly. Um, so would recommend teaching, but on a smaller scale um, or with other like experienced players sprinkled in to help like Ty with, was is doing with his intern um yeah but uh <laughs> yeah so that's what I did I, I made a campaign for them and ran for them for a while and that was a lot of fun and then um last year before the pandemic ended up um I think it was yeah just like one person from the last campaign because everyone else had moved um and then brought in some other new friends DM'd for all of them uh and that was uh, you know a much smaller group of only like four people so that was a lot of fun um and it's uh yeah I don't know I like DMing I like running constantly there he is, so okay I'm drinking um, I'm yeah, drinking Snoop Dogg's wine I was like why is Snoop Dogg on wine <laughs> it's the Cali Red by 19 Crimes it's pretty good it's very sweet mm. I mean, it's, uh, that makes me think of in our campaign or your campaign where you dm'd uh <laughs> mob barley and the purple tobacco mob i forgot I about mob, mob barley oh my mob god barley and the purple tobacco because the only way to get miles and chris to play was to just make the entire campaign. wasn't he the purple wizard uh, yeah mob no mob barley was the brother of the purple wizard okay that's the purple okay. wizard yeah, just okay. Is like a very flamboyant, like yeah, very flamboyant gay man uh, who's like a shop owner who loves purple tobacco, which is essentially the weed of of my D and D world. 
of Bishop Wash's D and D world. I can't see. I don't have an original bone in my body. I just take everything. I, well, I, this is yeah. This is the I'm, best yeah. part of Roman about D and D is you've you've you struck a core nerve here, which is like everybody has played before with some someone in some capacity, right? And yeah. you take the stuff from that and and carry it with you to whatever degree, mm-hmm. like like a really like high degree of mm-hmm. incorporating it often or just bringing some of it um and it's it's the uh the best best dm advice from uh or at least some of my favorite dm advice uh from matt colville what is uh take the stuff you like and put it in your game yeah. there's nothing wrong with it and the, but the more obscure the stuff you like the more original you look right and the cooler it is so if you think that I don't know. Pod racing is cool. Put pod. Find a way. Put pod racing in your game, and, and just put it in there. Like you'll fi- you'll figure it out uh, as long as you think it's neat. So like you know, you like the tiddly, you like the the uh, purple wizard and stuff. You just you put them in there because they're I things do. that make you happy. Yeah, they make me happy. So it, that's. I mean, it's so I feel satisfying. Like it's another part of the pop culture thing. Like, um, I mean, heck, with the campaign that I ran, y'all know about freaking cabbage man which i know everybody else is gonna Dude, think about cabbage man was sick didn't see wait, everybody didn't it didn't cabbage man like kill a guy yeah okay long story short that's another like we because i didn't i, I didn't man, see that fucking show i did not see that show so yeah, i legitimately every, thought cabbage man was a was a ty robertson original idea I, I i borrowed cabbage man from avatar as like a one-off joke he was not going to become a recurring character but um Long story short, in the market, I thought it would be funny to, as like all these monsters appear, Cabbage Man from freaking Avatar the Last Airbender's there and gets, you know, just mowed down as the monsters roll into the market. But then Zack uses his little Incept ability to, um, well, he does a couple of things. First off, I think you tricked him into thinking that he was just a mighty a, warrior or something. No, first he, he made him think he had butt cancer. Um, <laughs> that's, really? I remember yeah, that. That, that yes. is certainly an evil act. It sounds, yeah, because it was like your first right. time using it, and you're like, "What can I do?" And I was like, "I guess you can just a simple idea, put it in his head." And you're like, "He's he's gonna die. He has butt cancer. Say goodbye to your friends and family." And then as the fight ensues, he's like alive. His cart's destroyed, and you're like, "Wait, can I like incept the idea that he's a great hero?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Um, and so then he joins in the fight and he, he lives like just completely by chance. Cause I really was rolling for him. And, um, as a reward, like you got, yeah, he uh, gave me something. It was the cabbage man's horn. It was like this horn that he's like, it's a family heirloom. Blow it when you need my help again. And then in the future, both for like one big boss fight. And then at like the very end of the campaign, you all blew the horn and cabbage man appeared in like shining cabbage armor or something like I, he'd been completely brainwashed I, and believing love, this was his life i'd love to picture him as just like he's still just like an average shopkeeper like he's got like a bob's burgers build you know he's got like he's got a little like belly and he's got a oh, yeah. and he's like hello i'm here hero of time I'm here to help in the in the write-up that i did for like the sequel campaign if that ever happened where like it's in the the sort of post-apocalyptic world where zach wins um, he was going to be a uh, basically the the uh, the Onion Knight from Dark Souls, the big round guy. Oh, nice! Who's just like d- he's just kind of bummed all the time, and he's but he's real chill, and he's he's kind of got a big pot belly, 
but he really love him and i was like i would love that to be the role the cabbage man plays he's just a wandering knight who's like <laughs> looking for meaning <laughs> like completely removed 100 percent from the avatar character but like i don't know i feel like that kind of stuff is what makes D fun mm-hmm. you take yeah. something oh, that, and it evolves over time and like now when i say that to y'all you're you're thinking of the D character which yeah. is not even close to the, <laughs> the dude from avatar yeah and it's fun too Fantastic. because when you carry that stuff with you like and it, it becomes persistent it makes it so much easier when you want to dm because all of my prep like that i do as a dm is for me right it's self-satisfying it's just like fun world building but every campaign i run now is in the same place i i don't like uh make a new one from scratch every time i just have like one persistent region of the world and i just run it there over and over and over um oh so it is the one from ld D &D, right um that one is the one that i used to make a map to then make a world and then that world became the one that i ran for uh, people in seattle and then i have like continually evolved it uh into like its own persistent thing there was a brief point when i like asked you to uh like potentially run like a major npc or something um but you know we were busy and it was like a while like a while ago so Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just like a a fun thing to i don't know you can you can keep it all kind of self-contained where you don't have to always start from scratch every time and that's that is nice um oh yeah katie Mm -hmm. i want to know yeah because you 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 briefly mentioned that you'd only played and i know you and how much you love games and game design as well uh yeah (laughs) do you have plans to run or what do you think about it dming i do want to dm one day um i don't know if i have the natural skill sets for a dm i'm not very good at containing multitudes of information uh so i probably would only ever do homebrews yeah because then there are no rules uh except my brain Uh, (laughs) which is really my mo um but i yeah i have a few i have a few one shots in my brain um i've come to realize if i were to ever to dm it is very much stylistic to how I like to play Dungeons and Dragons, which is very roleplay heavy. And I get really bored when fighting is not intentional. And I get really bored in long fights. Like mm. I literally halfway through fights, I'm normally just like, okay, can we kill it now? I don't want to keep doing this, please. Where are the cool NPCs? <laughs> um, unless it's a really good fight. I do. There's. I think sometimes I... I just need a live engagement uh, to keep my attention. What are your um, thoughts on and, PvP? Oh, PvP is cool. I think well, I think consented, well thought out PvP. I have had a lot of fun with in games that have, that has happened. Um, I think if it's like completely out of the blue and doesn't like doesn't fit what the group wants, can be really complicated yeah. for group management. But I think if it's like fully, everyone's like yeah let's try it let's do it i think it can be a lot of fun um and really bring out some really fun like interactions and conversations and character dynamics um but yeah i uh, i also really a thing that i really want to try with dming is um like 
playing with traditional D&D monster roles. I'm a really big fan of flipping those on their head. Um, like I love cobalts and goblins and like trolls. And like, I really want to play with the idea of maybe they're not as bad as we think they are. Um, there's a lot of really cool uh, like game designers and DMs who are like kind of starting to change that like, I guess like cultural understanding of like why are these monsters monsters? I think that's it's actually because... like canon now. The the creators yeah. of the Wizards of the Coast guys basically said, you know what? Like, as far as we're concerned, nobody's just because you're a certain race in the D and D world doesn't make you evil. So y'all have like free permission to make like cool like orcs and goblins that are just like living their lives well, that like was osiris he was a he was a minotaur that wasn't a playable character until yeah you, you had to dig into yeah. like yeah. a like an expansion pack to get to play i that. i dug into an expansion pack to see the stats of like a non enemy monster build for a minotaur but it wasn't playable i just was just like how not technically yeah. no yeah i was just like how can i get this man to be a minotaur just so i can play with my little figure Roman was ahead of the times. Yeah, I was doing it before it was cool. (laughs) And there's a lot of game designers who have put a lot of work into that, whose names I cannot remember until like getting Wizards of the Coast to kind of agree to that and like creating really cool things on D and D Beyond um, and really cool modules that like have that set in. Um, And I also really want to play games where like characters have other intentions other than being the hero. just because I, I want I want to try and play around with like having other things be a part of your character. Like I had there's a really cool module called uh Witch Plus Craft that's like mm. all about your character as an artist. Um and so you like have things to do when you're in town that's like I need to collect these supplies and make these things that I want to make and sell them. Or like I really want to play a campaign where like you're an artist co-op and you're like quests are you all going and collecting supplies from all of these special places and you may have to fight a monster or two along the way or like you have to go panel at an artist fair (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh that's adorable things like that where it's like combining kind of like simple life things but also making it fantasy um and i i'm really into like also making dnd calm um and like a little more not so fighting monsters and saving the day heavy and like kind of bringing in a little more lightheartedness that's like to uh, the game that's like at one of the the bar D one-offs i went to there was someone who wrote a, an amazing one-off where you are all detectives there was Ooh, oh. i love that <laughs> i think that's there was only fantastic. fighting yeah there was only fighting at the very end when we like discovered the bad guy and we got into like a magical shootout but besides that a hundred percent it was all role play all the time like he literally told us up front if you're doing magic users y'all better bring your utility spells for like investigating Ooh. give me some freaking you know detect magic let me anything that lets you see auras or anything like do all that junk because y'all are gonna need it and i was like this is fun and it was like a legit mystery like we were arguing over like who done it it, it <laughs> makes really wow, it makes good. dungeoneering an that's, actual that's pretty awesome yes it was so trait. great <laughs> yeah that is so cool yeah i like i think there's a really interesting thing where like D because of its like market share and popularity has put itself in the position where it's like i am the tabletop rpg but mm. it is not built 
mechanically to be every tabletop RPG, right? It's mm-hmm. it is D and D. It is like a it is about fighting monsters, and like, and I think it's so because you can tell because they've just put so much mechanical effort into what is it fighting monsters, and so I think it's really interesting because it means all of us have interests outside of just fighting monsters, like lots of roleplay heavy stuff. And I feel like there's a, a lot of people that want that. And I love it because I feel like people then ha- trying to hack the game and like modify it means that you're going to, you have a bunch of people now who are essentially going to in theory, work their way into just making their own tabletop RPG. That is about a thing. Like there are so many D and I like a lot. Cause I feel like it introduced me to tabletop RPGs in general. And then there are so many systems now that I want to try, like, and especially try with certain people. Like, I think about uh, Goblinville is something I want to play with Katie, where you're a bunch of goblins (laughs) and you go out into the world to literally get supplies to bring them back to, like, build your town bigger. And I've never heard of this. I want in. Yeah. Well, the one I would want to play with you, Roman, is called Morkborg where it's literally the apocalypse and it's like heavy metal as hell. And, oh, I figured oh Morkborg was going to be a lot more Swedish than that. It, it is, it is Bork, very Bork, Bork. Swedish. Um, but it, uh, it is by Swedish game designers. Oh my it's god. Oh, perfect. But, oh but Roman, my god. The first yeah, thing you do is. in the game is yeah. you roll di- the DM rolls dice to see when does the world end. How many sessions, <laughs> how many sessions oh before the world god, ends. Oh my god, that's incredible. Right? Do we play one session and then the world ends? Do we play five, ten, a hundred, and then you go from there? When can like, I play? I have the book. We could we could uh, figure it out and play. Like, oh, like Rome. One of the fucking classes. Uh, they the guys made like an online system for um, character generation called the Scum Birther. We're like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's my new band name. Yeah, right. It's incredibly like. It's just so you. <laughs> and then, like, I would love to play uh, the Tales from the Loop or Babe, Ooh, Babes, yeah, Babes in the Wood with Ty. I've heard a lot about that one. Yeah, I've got um, Babes in the Woods. I've got the PDF of Tales from the Loop. I've never heard of die. any of these. Kids on Bikes, though? Kids on Bikes right, and that's one Babes in the Woods really are, like, two one. of a pair. Yeah. Yeah, it just sounds so and much And it's fun because every one is a different... There... Uh, it's emphasizing different things and themes and like interactions and tones in a way that D like alone can't and i love that i love all this like indie tabletop uh like games that are coming out are just all so unique and niche and it makes them tons of fun is so that like trying to figure out because i remember when 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 i was back in college all i wanted to do was play like because I'm, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I love the original series, and I, all I want to do is live in the Star Trek universe. And mm-hmm. Star Trek is just Dungeons and Dragons in space. It's just diplomacy and role play and all that shit. So it, it, I can't believe there still isn't a Star Trek Dungeons and Dragons. I thought, I thought, yeah, that, right? I thought there'd be like a SCAD professor that was working on that. But... Um, I stumbled upon when when you said you wanted to do a D and D podcast. I I just it reinvigorated that want for a Star Trek D and D. Found these guys who do a Star Trek D and D set in like the Deep Space Nine universe um, or timeline, 
um, called Shield of Tomorrow. Have you all ever watched any of that? No. No, it's cool. There's an episode on YouTube. I watched it. It was like two and a half hours long, but holy shit, it's what I want. It's a little, it's a little heavy on the combat because they said it in deep space nine which is literally like star trek goes to vietnam but but um oh my god i would much rather it be original series but um but original series feels like it'd be the perfect fit because it's like the the perfect perfect. amount of hokey but like really i I literally made a captain kirk character for dungeons and dragons i wanted star trek dnd so bad it was um captain j tiberius keegan of the USF Nebulous. He he crash oh, landed great. on a planet, which I mean, this could have been a, uh, a Star Trek episode. He, uh, he crash landed on a planet and um, his communicator's broken, his tricorder's broken, and his phaser's broken. He just has him and his ripped shirt. You know, it's just <laughs> Captain Kirk. But he went around, he was just like, my my ship is in the orbit and I just need to get into contact with my ship. And uh, he ran into, oh my gosh, I hope Drew texted me back. Yes, he ran into a a character that my friend was playing as named Fox, who is, Drew was watching a lot of X-Files at the time. So his name was Fox and he was like a Deva or Diva, however you say it. And he believes in aliens and I am the living proof that aliens exist. So he immediately oh throws yes. me in a burlap sack. And so instead of a instead of a um of a phaser, I had like a hand crossbow, you know, and I was running around giving orders like I am the captain of this D and D starship. And we would do our thing. In the end of that character, I never got into contact with my ship. So I decided to become a captain of like a pirate ship. And I would sail the awesome. seas of this D and D world with my crew, which I found the names of all of my crew. Because <laughs> oh for gosh. some reason I keep oh, building no. a bunch of stuff. The USF Nebulous <laughs> Two crew. Yes. Jimbo Bimbo. <laughs> of Scrody oh, the Pink. Farquad. <laughs> oh, perfect. That's Good. the best Holy one. Man Dan. Big Tim, which there's an R.I.P. next to his name. I guess he died. Oh, oh no, not Tim. Pip Hip the boy. I think he was our flag boy. Rojo Haran. I don't know what I was fucking doing. This guy's covered in like umlauts and accents. And then, of course, the last uh, crew member. Fuck. So yes, I don't know why every person in the gangs that I make or crews that I assemble, the last person is always named Fuck. Yeah, because we—I don't think we were recording earlier, but you had a game. You had a gang in my campaign, and it was exactly this type of. Oh, we were. Oh wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, read them again, just in case. Yes, just in case. case. One last one, because we are we are running short on time. Of Osiris's gang that I cannot say the name of. We had Field, Johnny Sly, Tamri, Big Jim, Rotgrub, Shoshana the Boy, and Fuck. (laughs) Yes, they just crossed over. Oh my gosh. All right. Wait, I have I have a very important question for all of you. This is one of my yes. favorite D&D questions. Um if you as a person who you are right now, what would your class and alignment be? Oh shit. Um 
Ooh, I really got y'all with that yeah, one. Yeah, you did. That's gonna. I oh I could share mine if sure we need to buy some go time. Go for it. Buy some time. Yeah. Um, my uh, alignment is chaotic good to my core. Uh, I'm a pure agent of chaos, but also I like to do some good. Um, sometimes chaotic neutral if I'm really pissed. Uh, and my class is I am to my core a barbarian. Mm. Uh, in some circles, I am known as Tiny Rager. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> jeez. Right. I think uh, I think it's obvious that I might be lawful oh, good, God. but I think I would be that kind that would try to make my own laws mm. if it was that kind. Um, <laughs> I'm so lawful who knows good, how good, but that all might of actually... my laws are evil. <laughs> I, who knows? I, I don't know. Who knows? Give me power. I don't know what will happen. Who knows oh what will happen? God. But uh, I would assume. Um, God, I'm not sure what I'd be in terms of class. That's a. I would probably see either uh, a rogue or a ranger, honestly, just because he's getting out there. He's I like fit. being. I yeah, like I like being fit, and I like animals, and I'm very environmentally friendly. So I'd probably say ranger, honestly. Hmm. I think I would probably be, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't judge where my alignment is. I feel like I would, I, I don't think I'm chaotic, but I don't think I'm lawful. So I think I would be like a true neutral. Um, yeah, I think I would be neutral straight, straight down the middle. Um, but, uh, I have no idea what class I would be. I, in real life i don't like conflict so i don't think i'd be like a barbarian i don't i'm not very religious i don't think i'd be like any paladin or anything um but i like helping my buddies out so i think i'd be a bard i think i'd be a neutral bard you got bard vibes bud thank you thank you my my buddy my buddy um michael grover uh who was um not Froghorn the mountain molester. He was. <laughs> he was. Who was he? Axel Axel Thunderflex. Axel Thunderflex retired porn star Michael Grover. <laughs> I can't remember his other character's name, but in the in the James Tiberius Kirk or the J Tiberius Keegan campaign with Fox Mulder, um, he played a character who was a bard that was a painter. And I forgot his name. Ooh. It was like a Van Gogh, Picasso knockoff. Um, and every time we get into battle, he's just like, I bring out my <laughs> my canvas and I start painting the battle. And I start doing, <laughs> and I start painting Grognak the Barbarian chopping a person's head off. And he would pick up the painting and just show it to us <laughs> like from across the battlefield. And when we'd see it, we'd be like, yeah. I'll do that. That's right, because it says in the manuals, they they slowly got more abstract with what being a bard is all about. And at this point, I think in 5th edition, it's just like any sort of like visual or auditory art. Can you believe that though? Like his character is painting and then he just waves it up. Roman. You can you can be a bard whose like bardic skill is like dancing and you yeah. just dance so good so, that your party gets inspired. I just Dude, the, yeah, like, I feel like sword a bard. dancer bard. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's great. It's fantastic. It's like Chris used to bring his uh, guitar yeah, uh, to Roman sessions sometimes. He, he did that. until he stopped coming and then we caged his character. He literally got caged and then Harley got literally caged went into the too. ceiling. Harley yeah. Anybody true. who didn't show up got put in jail until they were <laughs> Yeah. Well, 
fun way to keep him busy. Yeah, it worked. It yeah. worked out really well. That was well. The, the story but, explanation for what happened to him. Oh, they they misbehaved and got put in the local jail yeah, or whatever. They were guarded. But by all right, last. Uh, last I, all right, I would say alignment. I'm, I'm gonna. I I fluctuate on my law versus chaos, so probably some kind of neutral good, I imagine. Uh, but. Definitely, I feel like a wizard because I spend lots of time reading and researching. Uh, but I'm mm. I'm a frail a frail young man, and uh, you know someone could could punch me out, but at least I can, you know, theoretically you can, yeah. know how I how I do. You can melt their mind <laughs> with your knowledge before they even throw the first punch. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like shout stuff at them about you know like you don't want to do this right like no think it's like about right... the think about the insurance and the filing the paperwork and they just wham like <laughs> no right before right before they punch you you're like would you like to know more about the World War One history that's in my brain and they yeah. just their eyeballs melt immediately yeah, talk them and talk them until they let me go <laughs> Ty did you say yours yet or no? oh I haven't I I was gonna say Paladin but then again Paladins are like fifty percent fighter basically paladins like are like half cleric half, yeah paladins are like half wizard <laughs> half fighter um i don't i'm definitely also a frail boy so i'd probably be a cleric nice little christian boy cleric intern yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> nice and nice you would be you'd be a lawful good golden retriever cleric boy <laughs> yeah that's it we always said ties a golden retriever that's always been tie no matter what no yeah in, in essence the the very first character i made whose name i don't even remember is probably the most indicative of who i actually am probably <laughs> But wait, before before right. listen, Conrad, yeah, yeah, before right. we end this, well, I had one last question. But right, what, what, I what, I I want to hear like the the dumbest bonehead moves that like all. Of oh our, yeah, like the one okay. dumb bonehead move that like one of our characters made in a campaign that like mm. made it, or like the funniest fucking thing that I one got a of good our characters one. did. Mine's already been told. Oh wait, what, yeah, which one was yours? The tentacle? tentacle. I don't That's know, not even a bonehead move. You fell asleep next to some burning tiddly. I'll, I'll and you tell Comron's real bonehead move because I yeah go I remember for it. Go there for was it. a time when we we're but everyone keep these stories. We were in the big fighting pit uh, where we eventually did fight the purple worm or, or just had. But I remember we were fighting some giant like hellhound creature thing, and uh, Roman very purposefully tempted Comron by saying there was something in its mouth like treasure from like a past per- person. <laughs> Comron right. was like, I, he, I remember distinctly, Roman said, uh, it appears dead. It didn't say it was, just it appears dead. And I remember I out loud was like, Comron, just sh- it's your turn, shoot it again, please. <laughs> like, just for me. And you're like- Yeah, I'm we were reach- all still in combat. Yeah, it, like combat had not ended and it was just happened to be Comron's turn. He's like, I'm going to reach my hand in and get that. Bites his hand clean off. Comron's <laughs> playing an archer. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this ruins- <laughs> everything you it's like for the rest of the campaign i don't think he ever got a substitute really you were just like i'm a sword guy now <laughs> didn't i try to reach my other arm in? Oh, <laughs> fucking like, no. on, we're like yeah you were tempted to try again i think after we shot it a few times we're like don't don't even risk it man like we are not no so that was probably the you most. gotta stick with your belief you know you committed you committed to this action goal. you have to see it Wait. through I lost one arm. I need to have some Ty, to get the arm back. Ty, you just told yeah. Comron's bonehead story. I want to hear your bonehead story. Speaking of you, purple worm battle, you know it. It was not long after. Um, same session. I uh, 
me and Miles devised a, a ridiculous plan because Miles had like all kinds of crazy uh, rogue powers, like all types of acrobatic stuff that he had like sunk. He sunk like all his points into acrobatics. Um, he had a crazy ability called like hit and run that let him run up and like smack somebody and then run away, which was hilarious. And so he had like the dexterity to like lasso this uh, purple worm. And he was like, we're going to like get up in this thing's mouth and you're going to use magic to like blow it up from the inside. <laughs> and it's like, really? He's like, yeah, think about it. It's not armored on the inside. And so um, we did it. We, we actually like got up in this thing's mouth and mm-hmm. purposefully let it like swallow us whole so we could get into its stomach and blow it up. And it actually worked. Um, it's like dead and we're, or, or like very, very close to dead, like one HP oh, and we're dead. standing. You blew it's it ba- up. Yeah, it has a hole in its stomach. It's laying on the ground. We are like standing in its remains in the giant crater of its gut. And I am like, all right, let's heal. And I activate um, <laughs> a healing spell that has an area of effect. And I say this out loud. <laughs> you completely, the yeah, completely not realizing what I've done. And Roman's <laughs> like, let me see that. And he freaking grabs the book. And he's like, it says this thing heals anything within like a 10 feet radius all the way around you. And he's like, the hole seals up. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the worm just comes back to life and we're just in its stomach like no like, <laughs> and you used your daily to blow it out so. yeah yeah i use like my best thing and i'm like we can't do it twice <laughs> wow. so, so Cameron's alone on the outside like finding it with by one himself. fucking arm yeah. oh my gosh uh, that was the funniest okay. thing i want to hear it i want to hear a katie bonehead move yeah i don't actually I have a lot of social anxiety, so I don't always take big risks in d and I'm very much a follower, but there was Rockley, who I did actually take a lot of risks in. Uh, I There was a street fight event on a bridge that was uh, like, will kill you drop, that I entered when I did not have the health or stats to at all be fighting solo in any sort of manner, because I rolled really poorly for everything on my stats. Um, but I was like, fuck it i'm doing it uh and i rolled all bad rolls like literally (laughs) there was like no no nothing over like 10 just constantly um and then it got to the and like the fight was really drawing out and i felt really bad because everyone was just kind of like listening to me like lose uh to a uh a kanku uh and so i i was like please we have to end this like i i was like oh i just i'm gonna die like this is it this is the character that's going to die like nobody's helping uh, you're, you're just like, fighting okay. <laughs> it was a solo it was literally just a one-on-one fight with me and the dm because they were it was like supposed to be like a round street fight type of thing oh like you so, don't like, get yeah, assistance yeah, no, these are street rules <laughs> and like we had this was playing with strangers so, like we really I knew none of them. We've only been playing for like maybe I think this was our second or third game, so we really didn't know each other very well, and it just was like not going over well. I was getting really anxious and embarrassed, and then like we just fall off of the bridge. Like it would just like just so happens that I think like either he rolled or I rolled something that caused us to like fall, and I was like, "This is it. This is the D and D fall. I'm accepting it. May I like Rockley? It's been good." goodbye uh but this bonehead move of making a really poor decision to get into a fight that i could not win 
really lucked out one because I think the DM didn't want me to die and did not want to deal with re-rolling a character. And two, because I the character is really good at just being super like extroverted and making friends. And I befriended a werewolf in the town like a few hours before this happened. And he's just like, Katie, roll your D20. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm rolling for damage. Like, this is it. Um, and I rolled the D20. And I got, like, pretty high. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't a natural 20, but it was really high. And he's like, okay. You're, I can't remember what the werewolf name was. He's like, the werewolf jumps. Like, something jumps off of the wall and snatches you up and brings you up. And the Kanku dies and you live. <laughs> um, and I survived. Uh, but it was a big moment of like maybe I shouldn't shouldn't get in fights just because I think it will be fun. Uh, and it definitely was like a twenty minute battle <laughs> oh, that man. was like That's just really me awkward. talking. Like it was so yeah. awkward. It was it was put not. It was probably <laughs> like five to ten minutes, but it felt like a decade of fighting. Um, that was a uh, pretty pretty dumb. Not that okay. funny of a story, everyone. Sorry. Hey, All good. They're, they're Quick your sec. bonehead moves. My my bonehead move uh, was at a I was at a friend's a bachelor party and they were playing tabletop games and D and D and stuff for like a weekend at a cabin and uh, the the group I was with in, in the game investigating something mysterious and they're like you know there's some kind of weird noise or whatever and I I rolled a high enough perception check to notice that something was off like with the basement or the cellar. And but I was enough of a bonehead to go down to the cellar alone um, instead of telling anybody else. I was just like, I, something's over there. I'll figure it out. And I thought it was like a clue. And so I went down there and he's just like, you're you hear a noise. And I'm like, OK, I'm ready. And he's like, you're dead. <laughs> wow. Like, because like, I think the basement or whatever was like the mouth of the monster. <laughs> and so. I like literally walked. Hey guys, in. I got this. Yeah, I like literally like didn't tell anybody. Like walked down there and just like poof was dead. And he's like, "Go roll a new character." And I was like, "Nothing, uh, nothing. I can't do nothing." He's like, "You're dead." No, this <laughs> is like, like okay. a an Alaskan bullworm <laughs> situation. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's exactly Fantastic. What it was. It's not the worm; it's its tongue. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> I went down there and I was like, "This is pretty moist for a basement," and it just like never heard from him again. <laughs> Roman, did you go already? What's up? What's your bonehead? Did you go already? Oh, my bonehead move? Well, shit. Uh, make it I, I have an entire character made out of a bonehead move. I, I I decided to make a character who was a snake oil salesman. So I just thought it would be funny. Um, so I guess they were a rogue or whatever. I, because there's no snake oil salesman character. Um, well, his best friend was uh, one of my closest friends, Austin. Um, he did never played D and D. He decided to make a character named Belial after Basket Case because he was a big movie guy. So we're in this battle, and my character freaks out that we're in this battle. So I I try to dip and I open this door of this dungeon, and there's this giant Minotaur skeleton with a battle axe. It swings at me. I dodge. He doesn't, and he is split right down the fucking middle. And my character then rolls like will or constitution i don't know whatever keeps your sanity and rolls a nat one so my character becomes completely insane after that and ends up turning into jeffrey combs from reanimator 
I I pick up my friend's remains. I cut his head pieces off. I stitch them together. And I put them in this bag. And now my snake oil salesman is trying to go around to create a reanimating agent just to bring him back to apologize to him. Oh. So so Damn. my character all my DM was just like just put three ingredients together and then we will and I made a huge chart. You know, you roll the percentage die for it and it um and it has like they made two charts. One was like what the potion does and then the side effects. So like you can create like if if I put like blood from a from a purple worm and dirt just straight off of the ground with like a crushed up arrowhead, you know, just like random shit together like we then rolled a percentage die and it would be like all right, uh it is a love potion, but the person who drinks it turns to stone for 24 hours. So it yeah, it's just okay. random stuff and that ended up being one of my favorite characters based off of just a dumb fucking bonehead move that I did. Um, and I can't even remember that character's name, which is a bummer. Oh, still fun though. Cause I've got I've, right. I have wet brain I'm drinking too much Snoop Dogg's wine. Drink <laughs> <So. laughs> my wine. Uh, all right guys, I have one last question. It's a very fast, like I, I, I almost want to know more, but we don't have time for it. Maybe another episode, who knows? But, uh, I just want to know if, if you are currently playing, D and D, like right, like you have a session going on. Just say yes or no, and if you're, de- and just say if you're deeming, you're playing. I want to know about your character, but not this episode. So I'm gonna uh, tell you, Zach, I'm just Can't gonna stop. go pretty much from <laughs> the pick. Don't do it. Don't do it. We don't want to talk. Uh, Zach, are yeah. you currently playing? I, are you DMing I'm, or playing? I'm DMing. I'm not playing. I'm running a campaign for three friends, and we've been gotcha. we've done it through all of quarantine remotely. Uh, so far, it's been very nice, and our transitioning out of that very fun tyler who's that Whoa, Who, who's me? that um <laughs> can you please explain to me what the fuck a tyler is yeah come on now. call ty by his I've real heard your full name. call him le bradford god damn it <laughs> le bradford <laughs> thank that's you that's his instagram name yeah no I, i'm currently playing a game uh with a bunch of dudes who are, are much older than me and we started this campaign in second edition uh wow or not and uh, oh interesting uh, we found or i found second edition to be a little bit inflexible um because it's very much focused on exclusively like classic swords and sorcery stuff which is great but we wanted to break out of that so now we're in fifth edition um and i'm playing a, a rogue bard who's basically the the wild child from uh, mad max 2 <laughs> okay okay <laughs> roman are you currently playing D&D? No, actually, I, I'm oh, not. Um, I was pretty turned off by it for the past couple of years. Um, just because it was like every... Because uh, I tried to DM um, whenever I got back to Texas and I only got everyone into my big campaign that I was working on for one session. So after that, I, I played a couple of times, but... It was like I had DMs that were literally banging on my door after I said, like, I'm not playing this week. And just like, no, you must play. It was like, I, I fucking can't. So I. Oh, you signed a contract. Yeah, I was. I, yeah, I signed a contract in my blood and I didn't live up to it. So I don't, I don't know. I was pretty turned off. But after Ty's phone call today, bringing up some really good memories, 
Oh no. I think I'm gonna start DMing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Katie, how about you? Um, I am playing not in the summer right now because I'm gonna be in the woods all summer, but I am playing in a campaign which is on hiatus. Flair it's late. She's the best. I'm playing with a bunch of friends from SCAD. Um nice. Yeah. Very good. All right. I I currently am not and I would like to, but currently uh, the only one was happening here. Uh, I actually made a character called JR, uh, which Zach, you'll know, uh, John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. <laughs> oh, it was see. literally going to be John Ralphio. That's actually who the character Yet was going to be. another Italian elf. Him. Yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah, an Italian Jew. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, but uh, I'm looking to maybe play again in the future and hopefully in person with people. I real, if... if any of y'all started up a, a campaign, I'd drop my current one in a heartbeat. Sorry if anybody I play with listens, but this is more important. <laughs> I mean, hey, if we do a virtual one, I'd be, I would, you know, but we, it, it, it's just a whole mess. I'm not, we're not, I we're hate not the virtual ones, dude. No, I yeah. tried yeah, I at the beginning of the quarantine. I just couldn't do it. Sorry. Uh, but all right. I'm pro virtual. It, it works for some and it doesn't. I mean, I'm going I'm, back I'm to flexible that. if it lets me run Morkboard for Roman. <laughs> That's true. If Roman, Roman gets I... to play a character where, like, you fucking... Roman, I'm telling you, you love... You could cut this, Cameron, but the the trinkets and stuff are so good. Like, one of them is, like, you can get an aggressive small dog or you can get a diseased big dog. Dude, I... follows you around. I... Like... <laughs> when, I played, when I played with Bishop and shit, like, I found one of the... I found one of the things that I ended up finding. It's called the oh. the pillow of pillaging. Dungeoneering can be very tiring and unfortunately causes many sleepless nights. With the pillow of pillaging, never worry about posting a sentry again. The pillow of pillaging captures any living being that comes within 20 feet of you while you are sleeping in its pillowcase. Oh my god. Genius. That's wow. I remember we had wow. to destroy a hydra um, and we couldn't do it, but I still had one thing that I ended up finding. It was Bill Cosby's Puddin' Pops. And if you oh, fed good. it to anyone, they immediately fell asleep. So I <laughs> 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 fed it to the Hydra. Amazing. But uh, the irony was it was at like six in the morning after playing for like 48 hours. So I fell asleep oh, after God. I played. <laughs> You put in pop yourself. Put in pop. Okay. That's, you All right, everybody. That shit out. I hope you've enjoyed. <laughs> you can just bleep that's that what whole. You want. Cut out after, after what you that said the last so few episodes. Anyway, all right. You son of a gun. All right. I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode. Maybe we'll do another D&D episode. I think there's actually enough because it went from story to story and then we were ready to talk even more stories. But Put in uh, pop. With that said, <laughs> Zach, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on, Whether I'm it's a Twitter on the account internet or anything. And it's at Zach Turk. Zach is spelled C-A-C-H and Turk is spelled T-U-R-C. And it's Instagram, also have Twitter, all that uh, jazz. I'll have everyone's names in the show notes, so you mm-hmm. can even look there for them as well. Uh, Katie, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Trek the Trail and see my wood goblin life as I live and work outside. I also... If you want to see a game I designed, I did a 100 word RPG. It's called Small Spaces. It was 2019. It's not good, but I made a game and I'm proud of it. You can find me in the woods. Come, I'll give you a quest. Find me in the woods. Get out there. I literally take kids on quests outside. That's my job. So if you need one, 
find a canoe. Perfect. Paddle a river. Roman, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me gardening in my in my future garden with my shovel. No, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Revolver Roman. Uh, or if you want to buy movies from Graveface Records, you can find me at um, at Terrorvision Video on Instagram. Buy some sick ass movies. Ty, where can people find you? People can find me at It's Titanic on Twitter, I T S T Y T A N I C. Uh, Instagram hopefully coming soon, which will have a different name because apparently there's al- <laughs> Bradford. there's already somebody who's got that handle on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. Um, yeah, hit me up for all of your uh, magical needs. Uh, <laughs> I'll be happy to to sponsor your adventuring party. <laughs> oh my god! All right. And you can find me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla and Instagram at Killashoosh. And of course, you're listening on the Suture Side Talk channel for Up To It, Down To It, where we have other shows. Everything from weekly gaming movie TV show news to uh, every other week talking about a specific film and also one about DC movies. Uh, go check those out. And of course, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Suture Side Talk. We will be back again soon enough hopefully i think i always say it like each time i'm like there'll be less of a gap in between this one and the next one <laughs> and then there's like a, a fat gap but we'll see what happens and i think uh you failed that deception knows, check we'll have... yeah i the gap. <laughs> zach and katie uh it was fantastic having both of you on and i hope to have you both on again would do and thanks for having us thank you cameron i love talking about D&D. until next time everybody just uh, go play some games and execute Order 69. We'll catch you all later. <laughs> oh, so long. Good callback. Bye. Good callback. <laughs>